Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What is the Big 12's big problem as we leave 2023 and we head into 2024? This is the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football. We are part of the 365 Sports Network. You all can find us wherever you get your podcast and here on YouTube as well. If you all are finding us on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and also leave your comments as well. Five stars wherever you all get your podcasts and also Interact with us on X slash Twitter at NWPod365. I am at Josh Neighbors underscore. So I am here today. I also Merry Christmas to you all. Celebrate and happy holidays to the folks who do not or don't celebrate anything. Um, so I'm still also in Virginia back home right now. So that setup's a little bit wonky. Setup will be normal. Uh, I'm going back to Arkansas on the 26th. So things will be normal podcast wise, presentation wise, hopefully sound wise. Then, um, and you know, last week we were not able to do a whole lot of national signing day coverage and whatnot, uh, just because you know we had so much going on with conference realignment that kind of you know took maybe the pop, if you will, out of national signing day in some ways. But as I think about 2023 for the Big 12 and as we move forward to 2024, right? You know, Big Big 12 in 2023 started off the year obviously uh, with less schools, right? And then the next season. Uh, they're going to have next year, rather, they're going to lose two schools in Texas and Oklahoma and gain four more in Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. We'll talk about uh, Utah here in a few minutes. UCF and Utah both lose their bowl games, kind of what that means for the offseason. But I was thinking about the Big 12's big problem. And the Big 12, both, there's, there's positives and negatives involved. But really, like the big problem when you think about holistically is um, the recruiting is just a massive issue for the conference. There's no way around that. If you look now, we've, you know, the good news here is the Big 12 was involved in the Power Four, right? We are thinking about the Power Four at this point in time, the four big conferences that are really the ones producing teams that can compete for national championships, right? I know that next year, if you were to take this four-team playoff, they'd all be Big Ten and SEC schools, but it's a Big 12 school. It is a Pac-12 school. Um, you know, it's a it's an SEC school, uh, two SECs, if, if you will. Um, you know, next year, two Big Tens. But this year, it's Pac-12, Big 12. It should have been ACC. Uh, SEC, um, and I'm forgetting the fourth one, Big Ten, Michigan. Right? So you, know, you think about that, and you go forward next year. Okay, uh, what does this mean moving forward? You know, Florida State gets screwed. They want to find their way out. Right, the power two are kind of getting more power as we go along. Uh, I think it's really important to consider here uh, how the Big 12 not makes up ground, but like what are the ways they can get back closer. And there are some ways I think they do. I think the coaching on the whole in the Big 12 is some of the best in the entire country. And it's not because they they afford it; it's because the coaches that uh, you know are attracted to Big 12 jobs. Uh, are good coaches, number one. And also they, they really develop. Like as their players develop, so do they. You know, I think Matt Campbell's a really good example. I think this year was a really strong year for him development-wise as a coach. You know, he's always been good at doing 
the most with the least, but this season was a great example of doing the mostest with the leastest, if you will, right? With, with what happened to them. And I mean, the season they had last year and you go this year, you know, they lost some players off what was a, a tough team last season. Um, and they had a bunch of guys step up in a situation that was difficult, especially a quarterback. And they might've found their guy, the future Rocco Beck. You, know, you look at the job Mike Gundy did, just kind of lost in the wilderness early on in the season, turned that thing around and did a great job. You know, the job K-State and they went eight and four, right? But still a strong season, all things considered. Uh, and Chris Kleiman stacking wins. You know, we've seen all of these Big 12 teams that have gone to the Big 12 championship game. Most of them have taken st- massive steps back, right? I mean, um, you know, really considerable steps backwards following Big 12 championship game appearances. Uh, Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, uh, Iowa State, they've all done that. And, and and Kansas State did not take that massive step back. They went nine and three last season. They went eight and four this season. So, uh, you know, you think about like Lance Leipold, another coach who's done a fantastic job. Kyle Whittingham has joined the league. Jed Fish has done a great job. They've all these coaches that have done a great job adapting, learning, and growing as they've gone along. The one thing, though, is that the recruiting needs to take a step up. And there is a reason why, you know, Texas Tech is number 22. I mean, that's the first Big 12 team you get to in the 24-7 rankings. And look, there's a lot of heavy hitters in this top 15. I mean, Georgia, Bama, Texas, Miami, Ohio State, Oregon, Auburn, Oklahoma, Florida State, Notre Dame. That's your top 10. I mean, you're getting big brands the rest of the way. Uh, I'd say South Carolina is a big-ish brand, not massive, right? But you kind of go to the mid-20s and you're asking yourself at that point, like, who's doing – that? this is where you wonder, who's doing a great job with NIL? Who are the schools that are elevating, getting themselves into a good spot with NIL? And Texas Tech, guys, we have to start with them. They're the first team to play a bowl this offseason. But they're also – their NIL operation is at an SEC level. You know, that, that that's where they're at. The coaching, we will see. They're not an elite, elite level. But Texas Tech has got – you know, in terms of class – I mean, is it top of the SEC? No. Is it middle of the SEC? Probably not. No. But it's, it's you know, it's their top 25 SEC programs that are recruiting at their level. Ole Miss, they're 21st in recruiting. But I'll tell you this, guys, they did not land a five-star. 11 different, I think it was 11 different schools landed five stars. Let's see. According to 24-7, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Yeah, so the five-star rankings for um for 24-7 are a little bit uh a little bit different. But um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, there are five stars all over the place. And I think I saw the top 11 recruits in the country all went to 11 different schools according to rivals. So you're in a situation now where the talent is more dispersed. The Big 12 is not getting as much of that top talent, but Texas Tech's involved here, guys. I mean, they've got a five-star player. And uh, they're the second lowest team with a five-star. You know, Missouri is the lowest team at 24th overall in the recruiting rankings. So there are schools that are recruiting at a good level. Texas Tech has, has got that energy. The big question is, what do you turn that into, right? Texas Tech, uh, their NIL operation has been fantastic. And you're wondering, can they turn that into wins in the, their own conference? That's the one thing, though, that's the difficult part about this. It's great to see a school like Texas Tech up there, but they're pretty much alone. The next Big 12 school you find in the rankings is 31st with TCU. 32nd is UCF, right? So these are schools that are doing well in recruiting. It's just like we're not mentioning them at the top. And so the Big 12, they're getting quality recruits. They're just going to have to be a, they have to be great at, at developing players if they want to compete at the highest level in college football because 
we've seen it happen. We've seen Big 12 schools, i.e. TCU, compete at that level. And we even saw, you know, I'll even go back to 2021, you saw in bowl games, Baylor and Oklahoma State notch wins against top programs. Uh, Opt-outs be darn, but still they were able to get those wins. And look, uh, you think about those New Year's Six games, the Big 12 has won. Those are teams that would be playing in a college football playoff. But we've seen a Big 12 team beat a Michigan. I'm not talking about that. We want a national championship from a current Big 12 school, right? And we've seen Washington hit that, or excuse me, Utah has hit that ceiling in multiple attempts against teams in the Rose Bowl. We saw, uh, you know, we also saw TCU hit that wall against Michigan. We saw K-State hit that wall, obviously, against Alabama last season. How do you get over that wall? And the thing is that that gap in recruiting, it it can get a little bit better if not as many great players are concentrated in one spot. But the big thing is coaching and developing players. And so I'll give you all, you know, I don't want to say it's all bad, but think about K-State. You know, I saw what Pete Thamel said the other day about Avery Johnson, like this guy could be the face of college football. If the Big 12 can be in a spot where Kansas State is following up a Will Howard, who is a Big 12 championship winning quarterback and played really well. And, and I'm not sure he necessarily fits with some of the things that they're trying to do there at K-State. Obviously, they lose Colin Klein. But if you can get a guy like an Avery Johnson who pans out the way that some folks think he might pan out, uh, you might be you, you could be in a really, really strong situation. You could be in a really strong spot. Uh, you know, and, and these schools need to keep doing that. They have to find ways. Now, the one thing I'm saying, you know, I do feel, though, is that they do have to find a way to get some of those bigger portal guys, right? Uh, you know, I feel like Grayson McCall could be a Big 12 quarterback. I know he's going to NC State and wants to stay in the area, but like a KJ Jefferson, they need guys like that. You know, Daquan Finn, good to see him go to Baylor. But you'd love to see a guy like a Malik Murphy end up at a Big 12 school as opposed to going somewhere else. So maybe landing some of those, you know, bigger portal guys. The Big 12 has not been able to do a ton of that. I'm sure they'll get other guys develop those you know those players out of the portal um but i think that's an area too where uh, you know the investment has to be there from a lot of these schools it has to absolutely be there so once again i mean you've got coaches who are good developers of talent that is what this the conference's strength is um and i think that's why you're seeing you know like kansas a 44th ranked recruiting class it's fantastic three four stars in west virginia a 45th ranked recruiting class arizona is 49th after a nine and three season they've done an excellent job too, right? So you're seeing these top 50 recruiting classes. You know, Cincinnati, even after a bad season, BYU is 54th, Iowa State 55th, Oklahoma State. I mean, it's just all three stars. They're going to develop those guys, get some portal guys too. But you're seeing where I'm coming from from this, is that this is, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I think that's kind of the Big 12's, I think that's kind of the Big 12 mantra at large, right? Is that there's more than one way to skin a cat. That's how kind of all these coaches, like, you know, basically Kansas ran the triple option out of shotgun. You know, you've got teams like Texas Tech that would air it out sometimes and kind of got to the running attack. You've got the Bryles-based, uh, you know, rushing-based air raid, uh, veer and shoot. I should say not air raid, but, you know, the veer and shoot basically at TC. You've got K-State, which has got elements of option, and there's pro-style stuff in there as well. You know, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat for sure. I think the Big 12 teams can do that. But they're going to have to be able to, I mean, you know, it's all about kind of punching up at that next weight class. And I'm wondering, um, you know, TCU is able to do it. And we have to, we're starting to ask ourselves, was TCU lightning in a bottle or is TCU something that is replicable? Is that something that could happen again? 
right? And now at the expanded playoff, you do have to win more games to get further along. So the task of ending up in a national championship game becomes harder. I will say, I do like the idea of these big schools not having a full month sometimes prepare for big 12 schools. I think that is good. You know, I just watched the, uh, there was an Arkansas school, Harding Academy, that was in the D2 national championship game. And they ran option. And as they went along, their, their, their semifinal game, their final game were blowouts, right? So you kind of wonder yourself, all right, is there a variation of like KU's offense that could get, and I'm not saying Kansas in the playoff. I mean, it could happen, right? But like, is there an inefficiency that Big 12 could find that, hey, you win the first playoff game and one week is it's really hard to prepare for what that Big 12 team is bringing to the table for a big school in the next game? And that causes some problems for that big school. I'm wondering if that is an area where we could see the big 12 succeed. Uh, and I'm curious to see if that is, you know, if that is going to be the case, right. Uh, just finding those inefficiencies, finding those good young coaches, finding the Kotal Nickies of the world, finding the Colin Kleins of the world, capitalizing um, and knowing how to get the most out of those guys is, is kind of the, the you know, both players and coaches. That's what they're going to have to do. Uh, once again, Oklahoma and Texas were the only two schools that really recruited at like that just next top tier level. Texas Tech's kind of getting there right now, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm wondering if they can continue to have that sustained success. But um, they're getting there. I mean, they're, hell, they're getting there. It kind of gets you, though, to, to programs that we think will be on the rise. And UCF loses their bowl game to Georgia Tech. So want to think about this UCF program as we spin it forward and we're having this conversation about you know next year right uh because I, here's the thing like overall the big 12 once again good spot you survived realignment round one which actually began with you losing your two biggest brands right you lost texas and oklahoma and somehow you are the cockroach that survived somehow you you are the one that realized what happened was not good and you made the adjustments and you beat out other conference that thought that you know that basically stuck their nose up in the air it's like oh we 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 won't have that happen to us. We'll join the Alliance. We'll be all good to go. And you didn't look out for yourselves enough and you end up, you know, dying. And now we have round number two. It's happening right now. And, uh, you know, we all thought that that contract would protect Florida state. Right. Uh, it turns out it won't, it might not. And so you're seeing a, a spot where, uh, now Florida state is having to deal or, you know, ACC having to deal with potentially, uh, schools moving on. Right. Can they all finance it? Maybe the way, Florida State can. No, but they all could challenge it in court that way, right? They could all challenge it in court that way. We'll have to see where that goes. But the ACC is the one under heat right now. And so if we're heading towards a power three, we're not talking about a Big 12 breakup. We're talking about an ACC breakup right now. Will it happen? For sure? I don't know. Um, but we talk about, you know, schools, you know, on the rise, programs on the rise, right? UCF has always been one that just, I mean, I know they've had down games. I know they had the 0 and 12 season, whatever it was. But um, ever since the program's inception, just because of where it's located and, and kind of the, those you know, the big alumni base that's just growing, they have been a program on the rise. The big problem for them now is they've got some pretty clear holes. And I thought John Rice Plumley was a good, you know, good guy to have their quarterback. They had a lot of really good playmakers, but. The thing for UCF, and I know I think Gus Malzahn knows this because Gus coached at such a high level in the Southeastern Conference. He coached at such a high level. Uh, and I mean, he was even a good coach, you know, as a coordinator too, um, and, and as a head coach, you know, at, at uh, Arkansas State, right? Um, you know, really good high school coach, obviously, too. You know, he knows what it's going to take to win a, at a super high level. And 
Um, they are the lone Big 12 newcomer that made a bowl game, so they should deserve a lot of credit for that. But you watch this game, and they had two big blown leads this season, right? They had the blown lead against Baylor, and then this game they blew a 14-point lead. And so uh, I know that – I'm not sure if JRP got dinged to this game. I forgot what happened there in the end. But, you know, this thing was going well. Their offense was just moving the ball at will. Uh, and the offensive numbers in this game, I mean, they outgained uh, Georgia Tech by 50 yards and whatnot. But, like, their offense just stalled in the middle. And so they've got to figure some things out. Also on defense, too, there, there are some moments where they just could not stop Georgia Tech. They've had some guys get in the backfield and some guys make some plays. But they need to be a bit more consistent on defense, and they need to get personnel that reflects that. Uh, they need to hit on some athletes in the state of Florida that, you know, maybe some guys off the edge, you know, they're going to need some more quality tackling. They're going to need, you know, they should be able to develop some, some secondary players too. Uh, but that is a place where I think we all agree they should be on the rise. I think all things considered like a six and seven season is not great at UCF, but they were the lone new school to make a bowl team. Although I would say, Jim, I'm wearing my nightshirt right now. I would say a lot of folks think that should be the best program. They are located in Florida. They do have an SEC head coach. They have SEC talent on the outside. Make no, make no doubt about it, guys. Those, I mean, Harvey and and I mean the, the season like Javon Baker, uh, Javon, excuse me, Javon Baker. Uh, you know, um, Kobe Hudson, right? I think what Kobe Hudson went to, uh, you know, he went to Auburn, right? So that's the guy that we obviously know. Um, you know, was in the SEC, right? And then uh, Javon Baker just, I mean, had a had a monster monster season uh that's a guy who was an alabama crimson tide transfer right and wanted to go play for gus malzahn and i believe he's got one year of eligibility left i did not see an announcement on him yet it says 2020 is his first year so we'll see on that but they've got a quarterback situation to figure out i know they're in the market for kj jefferson we'll have to see how that shakes out but gus a lot of what gus wants to do is going to come down to that quarterback spot and he has done really well with not great quarterbacks before, but I would like to see Gus get a quarterback that he feels like is somebody that can run his system about as well as possible. Plumlee does give you some flexibility, the rushing and, and, and obviously rushing and throwing, but he was not a consistent thrower. That was my biggest knock against a guy like a John Rice Plumlee is that his consistency throwing the football. So Gus needs to find somebody that brings a bit more of that. KJ Jefferson does not, but if you use him correctly, I think he could be an effective weapon, especially if you spread the field out. Um, and that we know that they are in the mix for a guy like that. Is Timmy McLean the guy? They're going to bring somebody in else in the portal, recruiting-wise, too. You know, is there somebody else? So we have to look through all of these things. Um, but for them, like their ability to generate offense – is there their ability to generate consistent, strong offense is the big cue, if you will, I think, for all of this. The next goal is Utah. Utah loses to Northwestern in the bowl game. Credit Northwestern, man. They have been, I mean, what a season from the Northwestern Wildcats. That was an absolute uh, just 8-5 and five to finish for them and 14-7 in the bowl game. You know, Utah is going to bring that defense, and I think they're going to be a strong defense next season and to adjust to some of the offenses that they will see in the Big 12. But for them, the big key is, does Cam Rising's return guarantee a strong offensive year? Because Cam Rising is going to be a guy that had not played, will not have played football for 12 months of this season. And then you put it into next year, the first eight months of next year, it's going to basically be a, uh, you know, 20 months since Cam Rising had played in a Power 5 football game. And what does that look like? And how they get him back? I know they are bringing back so much on the offensive side and some exciting players 
are coming back for them too. Um, does this thing look like it did before? Does Cam Rising elevate? Does it take a step back? Because Utah is going to be the preseason favorite in the Big 12. I'm really interested to see what these Big 12 preseason things look like because there's a good chance, guys, the two highest ranked teams to finish this season, excuse me, the two highest ranked teams to finish 2023 and the 2023-2024 season, whatever you want to call it, are going to be Pac-12 schools. Arizona, uh, and I guess Utah won't end up being ranked, right? But like you, but Utah with their quarterback, you think would be a little bit more of a, a different story, right? So like uh, Arizona's going to be up there. And then, I, I mean, I think about preseason-wise, like they'll come in with a lot of juice next year. And then Utah too. I mean, uh, basically my point is, who is going to end up finishing a season with more buzz around them heading into where they're going next year than those two schools just because Utah is going to bring back those key parts, Bryson Barnes had some fun games, but um, that offense was stagnant at times. And, uh, you know, even, even regressive, I would say, at times. They're going to do some things differently next year, and they can do some things differently, right, with a guy like Cam Rising at the helm. So Cam Rising's Big 12 return is interesting. Kyle Whittingham, the attitude of those coaches, those players, as they head into this conference, this hodgepodge conference, right? And Arizona, too, with that confidence, I'm excited to see them. They got a bowl game, obviously, Alamo Bowl against – uh, Oklahoma, and we'll see what that one looks like. But Utah, yeah, I mean, defense, good. Offense, we will see. But I think about Utah and what's going to come this offseason and all of just the the juice that will be behind that program entering this new league. With what they did the previous two seasons, there might be some kind of expectation for them to go out and win this league. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm just really curious. I mean, who are they going to pick to win the league next year? Now, who's going to be picked to win the league? I think it's going to be Utah. Uh, that preseason poll is going to be very, very interesting because I think they're going to be some longtime Big 12 media folks who are going to say, hey, you're going to come in and do this thing, and they might not come in and win this thing. You know, Is it Oklahoma State who gets those votes? Is it Texas Tech who gets those votes? Is it K-State who gets those votes? Is it Kansas who gets those votes? I, th- I think that top of the line, the voting is going to be super, super interesting for next season. But Utah obviously is kind of a top dog, even though their season this year did not reflect that at all. All right, that will do it for today's show. Hope you all have a good holiday. I will see you all tomorrow when I return to Arkansas. So late episode coming out on Tuesday afternoon. Make sure you all find us wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, folks, talk to you next time.